Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by a guest speaker. Well, good morning, Salem Alliance family. My name is Anya Holcomb. I am your other pastor of Refugee Ministries, along with my husband, Doug, who was up here leading worship this morning. And it's great to be with you all on this beautiful, sunny weekend. As Rob mentioned, we are in Reach Month here at Salem Alliance, where we are focusing on how God uses the movement of people for his purposes. And last week, Ashley talked with us about how God uses our movement within our own city, within our own neighborhoods for his purposes. And this week, we're going to talk about how God uses the geographic movement of people from one part of the world to another for his purposes. Now, this is an important thing for us to be talking about because there is an unprecedented amount of geographic movement happening in our world today. People are on the move. A few quick statistics from the United Nations. One in 30 people in the world today are international migrants living outside of the country in which they were born. The United States is the main country of destination for international migrants, comprising about 15.3% of the U.S. population. People move around for a whole variety of reasons. It can be because of employment, joining family members, climate change, poverty, education opportunities, as well as forcible displacement from their homes due to war, persecution, or violence. And the recent situations we've seen in both Afghanistan and Ukraine are really clear examples of this. There are currently 84 million forcibly displaced people in our world, including 26.6 million refugees, those who have physically crossed a border to seek safety in another country. There are so many lenses that we can see our world through, and today I'd like to encourage us to look at international migration from a kingdom lens. So let's try to put on our kingdom glasses and think about this global movement of people from God's perspective. As we look at geographic movement in scripture, we see many examples of God using a physical change in location to bring about his purposes. We see it through stories of individual people moving from one place to another, as well as through large groups of people moving from one place to another. A few examples. We see it when God calls Abraham to leave his homeland. We see it when Joseph is taken to Egypt. We see it in the flight of Israel from Egypt. We see it as the people wander in the wilderness. We see it in the exile to Babylon. We see it at Pentecost when Jews from every nation are gathered in Jerusalem when Holy Spirit comes. We see it when persecution scatters the church and those who have been persecuted, what do they do? They preach the good news wherever they go. We see it when Paul is sent to Rome. In all of these geographic movements, God has a purpose. 
And this is something that we've seen over and over again in our work with immigrants and refugees and asylum seekers who are moving here to Salem. Many of these global neighbors left heartbreaking and tragic situations that are evidence of the immense brokenness that is in our world. And yet, through these painful situations, we see God working both in and through our new friends in powerful ways. You see, God uses the movement of people to bring about two-way transformation. Transformation in the people who move and transformation in the places that they go. And this transformative work of God leads to incredible opportunities to engage in relationships of mutual blessing. Today, I'd like to share four stories with you that illustrate these two big ideas, how God transforms the people who move and how God transforms the places that they go. Two of these stories come from the Bible and two of these stories come from our experiences working with immigrants and refugees. So let's start with the first big idea. God uses the movement of people to transform the people who move. And our first story is found in the book of Acts. If you'd like to follow along, you can open up your Bibles. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Before we dive into the story, let's get to know the characters just a little bit. So who is Philip? The Philip in this story is not Philip the disciple. He was one of the seven deacons who was chosen to serve the church in Jerusalem. He was an evangelist. He was involved in evangelism in Jerusalem until that great persecution came. He was one of the ones scattered. He went to Samaria, and this is where the angel of the Lord appeared to him, told him to go to a desert road that ran from Jerusalem to Gaza, right as the Ethiopian eunuch was heading that way. So who was the Ethiopian eunuch? Well, he was from Ethiopia. He oversaw all the treasury for the queen of Ethiopia. So he was a high-up official in the government, and he was a eunuch. This was a man who was castrated, uh, typically in order to make him trustworthy, to work with female royalty. And if you want to understand more about eunuchs, you can look that up on Google yourself. Uh, so what was this Ethiopian up to? Well, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship God and was now on his way back to Ethiopia. Now, this is really interesting. It's believed that Judaism was introduced to Ethiopia during the reign of King Solomon when the Queen of Sheba from Ethiopia went to visit him. So it's likely that this Ethiopian eunuch was practicing Judaism. He would have traveled on a trade route that ran from Ethiopia through Gaza and into Jerusalem. This Google map we have here is a modern day depiction of, of what this route would look like now. The distance was around 2,500 miles. The Ethiopian was riding in a carriage, and based on the pace of an average horse, it would have taken him about a month and a half to travel each way. So a month and a half there, a month and a half back. This was a significant geographic movement. So now to our story. So this Ethiopian is traveling back to Ethiopia. He is in his carriage, and he's reading out loud from the book of Isaiah. Now Philip had been brought to this road, and Holy Spirit tells him to go and walk beside the carriage. 
So he does. Philip hears the Ethiopian reading out loud, and he asks him if he understands what he's reading. The Ethiopian says to him, well, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? And he asks Philip to come on up and sit with him in the carriage. And the passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So the Ethiopian asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or was he talking about someone else? And Philip, being an evangelist, is quite thrilled with this question and goes on to share with him the good news about Jesus. So as they're riding along, he's hearing this good news, they see some water. And the Ethiopian says, hey, why should I not be baptized right now? He commands the carriage to stop. They get out of the carriage, go to the water. Philip baptizes the Ethiopian. The Bible says right as they come out of the water, the spirit takes Philip away suddenly. So the Ethiopian comes out of the water. He never sees Philip again, but he goes on his way rejoicing. Now, archaeologists have found some of the very oldest churches in the world in where? Ethiopia. And many scholars believe that it was the faith of this Ethiopian eunuch, his faith in Jesus, that he brought back to his country. So we see how God used the geographic movement of this Ethiopian man to both transform his own life and then to transform his entire country. Now I'd like to share my second story, a modern day story, about one of my friends who came here as a refugee from the Middle East. I'm gonna call him Abtine. So Abtine was part of a minority sect in the country he was from that was banned by the government. When it was discovered that he was a part of this sect, he was arrested, he was thrown into prison, and he was tortured. When he got out of prison, he immediately fled his country into a nearby country of Turkey where he went to the United Nations and asked to get refugee status, which he was granted. While he was waiting in Turkey to figure out where he would be going for resettlement, one day, Abtin had a vision. In this vision, a man named Jesus appeared to him. And what's so unique about this vision, I've actually never heard another story like this, is that it lasted for three days. For three days, Abtin was in the presence of Jesus. Jesus walked with him. Jesus sat with him. Jesus talked with him. Jesus ate with him. And Abtin immediately became a believer. Eventually, he was chosen for refugee resettlement in the United States, and he ended up landing here in Salem, Oregon. Our international prayer gathering got to know him, invited him into our community. We got to welcome him with love. We got to practically support him as he was rebuilding his life here. And we got to share our stories of faith. And we got to share the stories of scripture, the stories of Jesus, so that Abtin could get to know more and more about who this Jesus was that he had spent three days with in Turkey. 
Abtin is currently a Christ follower, and he is part of a local church here in this community. So we see how God used Abtin's movement from his home country to Turkey, here to Salem, Oregon, to transform his life. We see both in the stories of the Ethiopian and in the story of Abtin how God uses the movement of people to transform the people who move. So here's my first question for us. How can we join God in his transformative work by blessing our global neighbors? God's heart for immigrants and refugees is clear all throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, he commands his people to care for foreigners, to treat them as citizens, to love the foreigner as they love themselves, and to remember that they themselves were foreigners in the land of Egypt. Then we come into the New Testament, and Jesus tells us to care for the least of these, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to make disciples of all nations. So it truly is living out God's heart when we welcome our global neighbors with love and care, when we support them practically as they rebuild their lives in our community, and when we authentically and respectfully share our lives and share our stories. There are lots of opportunities to do this right here in Salem. Through our Salem Alliance Refugee Ministry, we have a social business called Sparrow Furniture that employs refugees and provides English language learning as part of the workday. As you've heard, we have an international prayer gathering, gathers every Sunday from one to four, right over here in Faith Annex with refugees and immigrants and friends from all over the world to share a meal and worship and pray in multiple languages. We have an airport welcome team that welcomes all the new refugees who are coming to Salem up at the Portland airport. And we have a partnership with Salem for Refugees, which was birthed out of Salem Alliance and is now a refugee resettlement agency that welcomes over 200 refugees to Salem every year. There's lots of opportunities to serve in each of these areas. There's a sign-up form out in the lobby today where you can sign up to get more information, and we would love to get you connected. We're also having that refugee ministry open house this weekend where you can experience what God is doing as we bless the nations in our neighborhoods. There's tours after each service of Sparrow Furniture, of the New Salem for Refugees Welcome Center. You're welcome to come join us at the International Prayer Gathering today at 1 or any Sunday at 1. There are these maps out in the lobby. You can walk to all these places, so make sure you grab a map after the service and uh, go and check out these awesome ministries. Even if you don't have time to serve directly with one of these ministries, there are lots of other ways that we can all be intentional about blessing the global neighbors in our community. Maybe it's taking a coworker out to lunch and learning about their story, learning more about their home country. Or maybe it's inviting a family over to your home for dinner. Many immigrant families in America say that they have never been invited into an American home. Maybe it's hosting an international student, or maybe it's using your connections to create opportunities for those who are just learning to navigate life in this culture. However we do it, as we engage in authentic relationships and as we bless our global neighbors, God can use us to be part of his transformative work in their lives. So now let's look at the second big idea, God uses the movement of people to transform the places that they go. 
So our next story comes from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. You can open your Bibles there if you'd like to follow along. This is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Most of us are probably pretty familiar with this story, but let's refresh our memories with the context that we find ourselves in. So Daniel was a Jewish youth. He was from Jerusalem. And when the Israelites disobeyed God, God gave them into the hands of the Babylonians. And Daniel was among this group of Israelites that was taken into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Here is a map that shows the ancient route from Jerusalem to Babylon that Daniel, as an exiled slave, would have traveled. This route was nearly 1,700 miles. So again, this was a significant geographic movement. Once he was in Babylon, Daniel found favor with King Nebuchadnezzar and with his successors, and he served them in various positions while always remaining faithful to his God. Another king, King Darius, has just come to power, and this is where our story begins. So King Darius has come to power. He's setting up rulers and administrators to oversee his kingdom, and he becomes so impressed with Daniel that he decides to promote him to the highest position in the kingdom, second only to the king himself. Now, Daniel's colleagues are not happy about this. They are filled with jealousy. They are filled with anger. An exiled slave is going to be their boss, and they are not having it. So they contrive a plan that exploits the ego of King Darius. They tell the king to make a law that anyone who prays to any god or any person other than the king for the next 30 days will be thrown into the lion's den. Now Daniel hears about this law, and what does he do? He continues to pray to God three times a day, just as he has always done. His colleagues know that's probably what he's going to do. So they go, they find him praying, and they report it to the king. King Darius is distressed, and he does everything that he can to try and save Daniel. But the men remind him that this law he made cannot be changed. So the king very reluctantly gives the order for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. He says to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. The lion's den is sealed. The king returns to his palace. He's so distressed, he's not able to eat or sleep all night. First thing in the morning, he rushes to the lion's den and he calls out to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God who you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lion's and Daniel answers, my God sent his angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. The king is overjoyed. He gives orders for Daniel to be taken out of the lion's den. And no wounds are found on him because he had trusted in his God. And then listen to this. This is amazing. King Darius now sends this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. 
Just an incredible story of God using the geographic movement of Daniel as an exiled slave to make himself known to an entire kingdom. Now I'd like to share my last story with you. This is another modern day story about one of my dear friends who was up here leading worship today and is part of our staff here at Salem Alliance. Her name is Pastor Adela. So watch this video story with me. I say, God, if it's my time, take me. Because I was see how people die and I, just passed in and, and tapped them, and it was very hard. You know, the, my story is, oh my goodness, it's too long, it's too uh, long. Like, the war started in Congo. The first war started, I was youth, and then we ran, no car, and people, shooting and people die. I was in that situation. And my food, it was mango. And we go to any river and drink water. And the place to sleep was in uh, grace, like our leaves. And we were waiting for the wall was down. And then we turned back. My, I lost like my mom, and then I go to my uncle. We started like school a little bit, and the situation was very bad. And then after that, meet my husband, and then, and then I go to the family for my husband. And then after that, he passed like one month, and he came again, the fighting, and then. I was with my firstborn, was a little young baby, and we ran to Burundi. Burundi, we go to Zambia. Zambia, I lived there for six months, and then after that, we came to Malawi. Malawi too, it was, mm -mm, no. We needed to go Malawi one week, and then we go to, to Tanzania, and then we pass to Mozambique. In 2000, 2000, I came in Mozambique. Yeah, we was feeling like, yeah, here we can sit here, we can sit here. We was in camp for three years, and then after that, my husband got a job, and we go to the city. We live in Mozambique for 16 years. 2009, I was in a prayer room and God, he said to me, I will take you one place. But he showed me the big church. And that church was all <laughs> wild people. And that church was a lot of people. And then we started praying, and then we, we started to see like healing in the entire church. And he say, God he say, is here you serve me. I asked God, when I go that place, you 
problem, you tell me. And then he said, no, you need to finish the work. One day, God say, I will take you in America. Adela, you go to uh, Oregon. And then I begin to pray for Oregon. Prayer, prayer, and then I feel that peace, that joy in me. And I, we came here. I came here in Salem. And then I meet Pastor Duke and uh, Pastor Anya. I ask Anya, what is the church pray? And then she say, like, I'll show you, but it's like one person go by himself prayer. And then in Africa, we was praying together, like all of us praying, take a time of uh, like two hours, three hours praying, listening to God. And then I started doing uh, leading prayer, morning prayer. I love so much the way we are praising God, worship and pray together and see how God is bringing healing and the presence of God in life of people and the different kind of testimony, yes, and the unity. And the day Pastor Stevie came to, to do the blessing, uh, and then I see how it was complete, like the vision. I was in a prayer room and I say, is this place? Yes. When I look back, where I came, oh God, is him. I don't know nothing, but every day is teaching me the heavy things I'm learning from him. He do this, he will do for you too. I've known Adela since she first arrived in Salem, and I never tire of hearing her story and continue to marvel at the way God clearly brought her to this place at this time. Our very own missionary sent here to Salem via the U.S. Department of State. Adela has profoundly impacted my life, the life of my husband, the life of my kids, the life of this staff team here at Salem Alliance. She has changed our culture here. I don't know if, if some of you may know, she leads prayer times for our staff three times a week. She has had an incredible impact on this place and on this city, and God has brought her to this place for this time. There are so many other stories I could tell you of others like her who God is using to bring transformation in our community. So we've seen both in the stories of Daniel and in the story of Adela how God uses the movement of people to transform the places that they go. So here's my second question for us. How can we be transformed by God as we receive blessing from our global neighbors? I believe that we must begin with a posture of humility and a recognition of the value that our global neighbors bring here to us. We must recognize that our Western way of doing life, 
And our Western way of doing church is not the only way. It's not the only way, and it's not the best way. It's just simply a way. And those from other cultures have many valuable things to teach us, things that give us a richer and a fuller picture of God's kingdom. Here are just a few of the things that God is showing me through our global neighbors. Getting to worship with my Congolese friends with drums and tambourines and breaking out into spontaneous dancing is a whole new expression of worship for me. Learning to include my whole body as a part of praising God. Experiencing the hospitality of my Pakistani friends, being welcomed into their home with extravagance as a guest, has tangibly shown me more of the extravagant love that God has for us. Watching the way that my brothers and sisters from Venezuela care for others like extended family has shown me more what it means to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Being discipled in prayer by my global neighbors has been life-changing for me. They show me what it means to prioritize prayer like your life depends on it, not just as something to fit into whatever time is left over in our busy lives. So we begin with humility and a recognition of the value that our global neighbors bring here to us. And then secondly, we need to seek out opportunities to learn from and be led by our global neighbors. Ask them to share their experiences and their insights. Invite them to contribute to the community in meaningful ways. Ask them to share their gifts and their talents. Invite them into leadership circles across our city and in our church. And then listen listen to the things that they have to say. Many of the immigrants and refugees coming to Salem are strong Christ followers who have tested faith. Many have suffered. Many have been persecuted. Many have learned to depend on Jesus for their very lives. And God wants to use these believers from around the world to bless, to challenge, and to revive the American church. For those of you in the room today who have moved here to Salem from across the world, whatever your reasons for coming, God has a purpose for you in this place at this time. And we need your voice. We need your gifts. We need your leadership. We need your insights. We need to learn from your experiences. We need you to speak into things that we often have a hard time seeing. God has a purpose for you here, and our community needs what you have to offer. And for the rest of us, we need to be ready to receive this blessing from our global neighbors as part of God's transformative work in our lives and in our community. So today we've seen how God uses the movement of people to bring about two-way transformation. Transformation in the people who move and transformation in the places that they go. And we get to join in this transformative work of God by engaging in relationships of mutual blessing. As we do this, friends, we all 
better reflect the image of God with the full diversity of his creation and all of the cultures that have come from it. You see, a diverse, multicultural community praising God together is the culmination of the biblical narrative that we see in Revelation 7 that Doug read, that we sang about at the beginning of our service. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Amen? In this passage, we see a multicultural multitude that has come from all corners of the globe and is now gathered in one place. A vast crowd, it says, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So friends, as we bless our global neighbors and as we receive blessing from our global neighbors, God transforms all of us more and more into a reflection of heaven. As we get ready to close today, I'd like to invite the worship team back up, and I'd like to share a couple of simple questions to help us think about how we can put the things we've been talking about into practice. So as you leave today, I'd love to encourage you to discuss these two questions with someone. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, someone you came to church with, someone you chat with out in the lobby. So here's the two questions. They'll be up on the screen. We also have them printed in the lobby, so you can grab that as you leave. What is one way that you can bless our global neighbors in Salem? And second question is, what is one way that you can receive the blessing that our global neighbors bring here to Salem? For those of you here who might be interested in learning more about beginning a relationship with Jesus, there'll be someone up here at the cross who would love to talk with you, answer your questions, and pray with you. And if you're here today and you would like prayer for any reason, maybe a discouragement, an anxiety that you're feeling, maybe a, a need for healing, there'll be folks over here on this side of the platform that would love to pray with you. And remember, the Refugee Ministry Open House is happening right now, so go check out Sparrow Furniture and Salem for Refugees, or visit us at the International Prayer Gathering. Pick up a map in the lobby, it'll show you how to walk to those places. Now I'd like to invite you all to stand for a commissioning prayer as we go. I want to commission all of us today with the words of Jesus from Acts 1.8. Church, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen? You may go in peace. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.